I'm old school West. Back in the day when you had a beef, you didn't go get guns or knives. You just, hey, Mark, I got a problem. We just go in the back with no cameras, no nothing, and let's just knuckle up and get it over with. Did you ever make that offer to Kobe? No, but it's standing. Sasha Bloom. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Why on earth would you choose that to open up this podcast? Because my only goal for signing up with you to do Dropping Dimes with Brittany Johnson is to break your ignorant curse of enjoying and role modeling Kobe Bryant. He's a disgusting pig. Oh my God. And you no, should he's be not. embarrassed that you do things to yourself watching him play basketball. He is not a disgusting pig. He is one of the best NBA players to ever play the game. So would I if I shot 40 times a game. Listen, just like Michael Jordan said, it doesn't matter about the shots. No one remembers the shots that you missed. They only remember the shots that you make. It's teammates, dude. <laughs> so what? So what? But then what happened the last game against the Jazz last season? Kobe, they didn't want him to pass the ball. They just wanted him to shoot. How many points did he have that night, Sasha? 83. No, almost. 82. Kareem, can you tell us? 60. Oh, that doesn't, that's weak. How was that weak? <laughs> Let me see you go out there and score 60. Check the tapes. I've done it. Not the way my boo has with style and grace. <laughs> oh, God. Kareem Copeland is our guest for the day, everybody. Uh, sports writer for the Associated Press. Kareem, speaking of Kobe, what shoes do you have on today? <laughs> I've got uh, some Kobe 10s on today. I Why? guess it was appropriate, huh? I think it was appropriate, but do you? How do you feel when you lace up Kobe's and you just you put them on your feet? <laughs> well, I'm kind of a shoe connoisseur, so um, I've got a lot of different uh, kicks, a lot of different Kobe's. These ones, they just match today, really. <laughs> but I mean, when you put on the Kobe's, don't those feel completely different than any other shoe you've do, ever had on before in your life? Do I feel Kobe esque? Is that yeah. What you're I don't know if I can go that far. I, I do. Go that far. I do. Hey, I, I, I like my Kobe's, but you know they're not at the top of the collection. I say you need to take those shoes off and knock Sasha in the head with one of them <laughs> for opening up the show <laughs> with such disgrace with that Kobe slander. That was terrible. And just for that, next time we're playing Drake. I would do next to nothing to watch Carl Malone and Kobe Bryant fight. Kobe, you would... know what an ass whooping Kobe Bryant would catch? No, he wouldn't. Kobe, listen, Kobe is not going to lose. <laughs> listen, Kobe is like me. If you're getting beat, just go to your car, turn it on, and place? run somebody over. <laughs> That's all you got to do. Just run them over. <laughs> then you win. Carl Malone ain't seeing Kobe. <laughs> I'm sticking by my man. What you say, Kobe? Oh, I just called you Kobe. Now I'm so lost. I got Kobe all up in my head. Oh, my God. Got her all flustered. I know. We're going to break this, though. Trust me, no, by episode not. 90, you're going to hit him. No, I love Kobe. Mm. I'll never hate him. As a matter of fact, I'm seeing him later tonight. Um, So, you know, you know how that goes. Oh, I wasn't supposed to say that. He wants us to keep our relationship on the low. Yeah, up in Colorado, huh? You know what? Anyway, we're going to go move on because I have a lot of things to say about that that I will not say because I will probably get in trouble. We'll get into it down the road, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> I'm sure we won't. Anyway, 
Kareem, thank you so much for joining us today. <laughs> no biggie. Thanks for having me. So we're here to talk about jazz, obviously. That's the only reason why we brought you here today. <laughs> Otherwise, I wouldn't be talking. That's the only thing I'm good no, for. I don't understand. <laughs> um, talk about the jazz game one. Yes, game one against the Los Angeles Clippers. What did you see in that game that you liked from the Jazz? What did you see that you didn't? I mean, you can't ask for more considering that Rudy Gobert went down with the injury, with the knee injury within the next, within the first, what was it, 11 seconds of the game? Mm -hmm. And so, and he's been the one guy throughout the year who's been, you know, fairly healthy among the starters. Um, some of the fewest games missed amongst that group. So, I mean, he's the anchor of that defense. So all of a sudden, you he's gone and you got to completely – you know, not completely switch everything up, but you gotta you gotta adjust real quick on the fly. You've been spending all week or all couple of weeks getting ready. You knew they were gonna have the Clippers for a while, so you're preparing for that. You're preparing to have Rudy in the middle, um, big matchup between him and DeAndre Jordan, and all of a sudden he's gone. So that put a lot on Derek Favors immediately, and he stepped up, had a good game. Um, I guess the biggest thing is that it, as much as we talk about the injuries that they've had throughout the season with. You know, Gordon started the year with the broken finger. Um, George Hill has been out a couple times for quite some time. Uh, Favors had the knee issue all year. Rodney's issues. Uh, at least they're used to not having guys. And so they're used to adjusting pretty quickly on, on the fly and adjusting to whoever's on the floor. Now, before, the two guys that were pretty much the staple throughout all that were Gordon and Rudy. So it is a – it is – a significant adjustment, but they are used to not having guys. And, you know, after that, those first couple of minutes where it seemed like, I don't know if it was, I don't want to say hesitation, but, you know, you got to kind of get over that for a second. It was it's a like, shock. Yeah, that initial shock. I mean, they came through and they held everybody down for the most part. They still played top-notch defense, uh, kept Chris Paul pretty much under control. I mean, I won't say under control, but um, he didn't go wild. Uh, Blake put up some numbers, but he was a little bit inefficient. Um, they kept all their role players um, pretty much in check. So uh, I don't know how much more you can ask for um, in a game that got compl thrown completely out of the whack 11 seconds in. And then obviously you had the big shot by Joe Johnson to win the game. And, you know, that's why you bring in those veteran guys like that, uh, especially a guy like Joe Johnson who can still get buckets at this, what, at 35 years old now, I do believe. I watched um, that game-winning play I don't know, eight or nine times. Mm -hmm. And he did exactly what you're supposed to do in the NBA or college, go to the hoop. Yep. And you're either going to get fouled or you're going to make it. How do the Clippers not stop that? Like, the guy almost landed on top of his teammate. It was embarrassing. Well, they got put in a bad – well, first off, it was a very smart move by Quinn not yeah. to call the timeout. Yeah. And so I'll, if you did call it, if, you, if they would have called a timeout, uh, Doc Rivers would have likely subbed out Jamal Crawford because that was their biggest weak link on the floor um, defensively. So all of a sudden, you've got the ball in Joe's hand. Joe's matched up against their worst player. And, Joe, you're not going to speed him up no matter what you do. And I was it was so funny. I was watching him. You know, he, he just came across half court so casually. And, you know, the clock's ticking. It's under five seconds already. And he's still just taking his time. You know, a lot of the guys in this league and a lot of guys who don't have that kind of experience would be would nervous. Be rushing. It would be, you know, sped up. You know, it'd be a little bit more chaotic. And a lot of times you'd see extra time left on the clock after to give the team opportunity. Not Joe. The thing Joe I've... knew exactly how much time was left and got to his spot and was either going to get fouled or make the shot or they were going to overtime. But he wasn't going to let them get the ball back. Joe Johnson does what Joe Johnson wants to do. Like I've noticed this all year around is 
there's nothing that the defense can dictate to him because of his strength and his first step. Like his first step, even though he's an old man in the NBA, is stunningly fast. I talked to him about I Actually, um, we had our Joe Johnson story run last week, and I was talking to him about that because he's actually teaching that to Rodney and um, Gordon. He was explaining that throughout the year he's been kind of showing them how to keep that defender on your backside and not get rushed and try to be patient and get to your spot. And so I was like, because you always see Joe do it, and very few guys around the league do it as well as he does. I think Paul Pierce kind of did it for a long time. Um where you just there's nothing you can do to really rush them. And I was asking him, I was like, is that something that can be taught? Or is it just kind of an instinctual thing that, you know, everybody's got their own strengths to their game of what they do well, and some of it is just natural. And he said, you know, that it's it kind of came naturally, but it's something that he worked on over and over and over throughout the years and being able to keep his dribble and being able to be strong enough to keep guys in that certain position. And now he's teaching that to other guys on the team. And that's what you saw. I mean, that's Joe Johnson right there. That was a classic Joe Johnson move. How have you seen this Jazz team develop this year with the addition of your, your veterans, George Hill, Boris Diaw, Joe Johnson? Well, I mean, immediately, the first guy you point to is George Hill because that was the biggest issue last year um, defensively was they had a real hard time with quick point guards. Quick point guards just gave the Jazz fits um, almost all year pretty much last year. And George has been a much better defender at that spot, and he's kind of helped – stave that off a little bit and shoot and I think George came in and he scored a lot more he was he proved to be a much much better shooter and scorer than I think a lot of people expected so you add that to your starting lineup and I think what those guys that starting lineup of Hayward Favors Gobert Rodney Hood and George Hill I do believe started 13 regular season games together all year because of injuries and they went 11 and 2 in those games and so when you've got that core together, that's a really good core, especially with, you know, George coming in and adding that, that first off, veteran leadership. But, again, he's better defensively than what you had. And he ended up being just a better playmaker than I think a lot of people expected. And so that was a really good core. And now he's back. You know, it's, it's taken him a little bit back. to He's been out so much with his injury. But now that he's kind of get back, he's kind of settled that – that position a lot. You see um, Dante Exum now has kind of been moved a little bit over to the two. He's been playing that a lot. I um, haven't seen Dante Exum at all. Where is he at? <laughs> he's, just, he's getting better. He's getting better. <laughs> you got to remember, he's I such a young, for him. just such a young kid, and he's still, you know, learning, just growing into the type of player he's going to be. And so, and it's strictly a numbers game. You bring in a guy like George Hill, who's an established NBA guy who's played in big games, who's played in Eastern Conference Finals, and he grew up playing basketball in America. That guy's going to get his minutes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he's going to get his minutes. And he deserves his minutes. And so you can be patient with Dante. Um, but you bring in Joe Johnson now, and now you've got, like, he's so versatile that, you know, he started his career as a two, and now he's playing the four in one of the Jazz's best lineups. So when they decide to go small, you can have George, George Hill. You can have Joe Johnson playing the floor, four, he can bring the ball up. He can be a playmaker out of the post. You can he can go one on one from the pass. perimeter. I mean, he's such a versatile guy that you can bring him off the bench. And this is a guy who you know scored twenty plus for many years in the league. So you know you can go get him a buck. You know he can go get buckets. So you bring in that kind of veteran leadership, and then you got Boris, who's just like a wild card. Who just you, he is it, big. I, it, it's so much fun to watch Boris at times because he, he does these. He's got this. 
herky-jerkiness about his game, and he just does things that you don't think will work, and all of a sudden, you know, he's throwing oops to Gobert, and he's, you know, making the right pass, or, you know, Euro stepping through the lane, and you're like, where did that come from? And so I think those those three veterans have obviously taken them from, you know, just missing out on the playoffs to, you know, going into, what, the last game as the Apostle almost became the four seed. And then, obviously, everybody else grew up. Rodney's a lot. I mean, Rodney's better. Um, Rudy's better. Uh, Gordon's an all-star now. And so the natural growth of that core that you already had, then you bring in some established guys, and that's why you see a team that really nobody wants to play right now. Where does Ingles come into this conversation? Another guy who's yeah. improved. Who, Close to a six-man of the year. Who would have thought that Joe Ingles was going to lead the league in three-point shooting? His three-point <laughs> shooting has evolved you know? so much. Let's talk about his defense. Yeah. His defense mm-hmm. has improved his so hustle. much. His hustle. You know, that's the thing. You know, everybody laughs about the Joe, slow-mo Joe thing, but <laughs> he locks guys up. You know, he's, you know he's, he doesn't have that foot speed, but he's long, and he's, he gives people a lot of issues, and he hustles and he fights, and he's, he's one got of good the guys who's too. been there all year long. You know, everybody's, you know, you talk about so many injuries. I wish I had the uh, sheet with me right now, but I'm pretty sure he might be the one guy who didn't miss a single game all year long, and you can put him in the starting lineup. You can bring him off the bench. You know what you're going to get from Joe, and that's that's what Quinn really likes about him is, you know, there's not a whole lot of fluctuation in his game. You know, you know what you're going to get from him night in and night out, and, you know, that's what guys like, consistency. That's the hard thing is consistency. So Vegas has the late, uh, the Clippers jazz as a, basically a pick em. Is that what you would say, too? It's like, if I asked you who's going to win on Tuesday, you're going to say it goes either way? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I think it was a um, – I thought it was a pick em and I was giving um, I was giving the Clippers the edge because they had home court. But If it would have been flipped the other, wi- other way, I would have given the jazz the uh, – Given the Jazz a slight advantage. But the Clippers, game one at least, obviously only game one, they didn't take advantage of the home court. They just threw away home court advantage. Missed opportunity on two fronts. Missed opportunity because you're at home. Missed opportunity because Rudy Gobert wasn't in the game. Uh, but J.J. Redick didn't have a very good game. Uh, they're missing Austin Rivers. They really would like to have him back. Uh, they just, you know, outside of their, you know, their big, you know, quote-unquote big three, Nobody really kind of stepped up, and you got to have guys that kind of help and step up. You know, you look at what happened to the Jazz. They got 21 points out of Joe Johnson off the bench, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and so you've got to have other guys besides your stars step up and contribute and um, help out. They just didn't get much help outside of their big guys. What happens in game two without Rudy Gobert? Well, now the Jazz have had time to prepare, at least. So um, it shouldn't be a shock to the system. They should, you know, Quinn's a pretty smart guy. I'm sure they can um, – come up with a, you know, tweak their system to to be in a good situation. So uh, I think after game one, they've proven that they can win without Rudy. And again, we've pro- they've proven all year long that they can win with injuries. Uh, again, big thing on Derek Favors now. You know, he's been... It's his chance to get $120 million. Yeah. <laughs> well, this is his chance to get up, get some big minutes. This is his chance to come back from that knee injury. Uh I know it's it's been kind of a weird thing throughout the year where it's it's flare I don't know it flared up on him but it's it's been tough he's played a good game and then it's kind of had its effects on the next day that's the kind of thing so now that you're in the playoffs where you have 2 3 days in between that's very good for a guy like Derek you know that gives him a chance to rest that knee 
I think those were the most minutes he's played since coming back from injury. Actually, I'm positive that's the most minutes he's come back from since injury. He said before that he was, I think, what was it? It was must have been the Wednesday before they left, or the day that they left to go out to L.A. He said, you know, he was feeling pretty good defensively, but still hadn't got his offensive flow kind of going yet. And he said, you know, that was it, it's just kind of a matter of minutes. And, you know, he started to get those minutes, and you saw him play well. And so I think you'll see a lot more – you'll see a lot – there's going to be a lot more onus on Derek Favors, obviously, and um, Jeff Withy's going to have to play well off the bench in his spot I was spot just about minutes, to say, he probably kind of didn't even think he was about to go in. Yeah, you know, his minutes <laughs> never are know. going up. You just told Joe Johnson's minutes will go up now because instead of Derek playing so much at the four, he'll play some five, and then I, you assume Joe will get more minutes at the four. So uh, I think this game is just – I think the whole series is just – could be game by game, you know, fight by fight. Really, it's, it's no, neither seven. team is has that much of an advantage over the other by any means. And you know, kudos to the Jazz for being able to do what they did without Rudy because that is, you know, you're talking about a potential defensive player of the year guy, or at least a defensive player of the year candidate who grew into a actual legit offensive entity this year. You know, last year he couldn't even. We were talking earlier about guys who had improved and how they improved. Remember last year, Rudy couldn't even catch the ball. You know, yeah. you you would throw a chest pass to him, and he couldn't even catch a good pass he, right in the he center. He said he was nervous. Now he's catching bad passes around his knees. Now he's catching the ball in traffic. Now that was – I mean, people need to go back. If they forgot, go back and watch games from last year and how bad his hands were. I mean, it's, it's just um, – you know, it's a credit to the hard work he put in because – you know, now you can consistently, you know, he's one of the better pick and roll guys in the league now because he sets that, he's so big and he's got that wide base. He sets the screen and when he rolls to the hoop, he can catch the ball. Last year, he couldn't catch the ball. So it was like almost when you're coming off the pick, it was almost like playing, you know, now four on four, assuming, you know, whatever the, the defender that sticks with Rudy, you pretty much just take those two out of it because the ball wasn't going to Rudy. Um, the guy who was guarding Rudy, you know, he wasn't going to be involved. But now, you come off that pick and roll, and you can go off all your action because you've got a guy who's screening and a guy who's rolling who's now involved in the offense instead of just kind of being pick and, and nothing else. So I have a philosophical question for you. If you're Dennis Lindsay, do you let Gobert play the rest of the year? Chances are, even if they beat the Clippers, they're not going to win the NBA Finals. You've got potentially a Hall of Fame center on your hands. Ooh, that's not go too far. Oh come on now! The, <laughs> he's a, he's one of the hardest. He's can, one of the hardest can working. All star game first before we start putting people in the hall. Of Fame? He would have been in the All Stars this year if he were on a bigger market. Guaranteed. I think that's um a little. I know people around here like to think that. I'm yeah. Not so sure. Well, do you think the Jazz are underrated? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Oh, sorry. I wasn't done here. <laughs> <laughs> so, do you play him there? The, if he's eligible and he feels all right, would you play him on game five, game six? Completely depends on the knee and the structural health yeah. of the knee. That's completely what I, I mean. If it's if the doctors give it an okay and everything looks good and it's truly just, um, you know, one of the – there's just a lot of ranges between bruises. And, and you saw the bruise that kept favors out yeah. for so long and that even after he plays the game, the next day is um, a real challenge for him. You know, if it's that bad, you might have to shut him down. If it's, um, you know, if it's really mild and after a couple of days he can get through it and it's not a big deal, it's more of a, um, 
pain issue as opposed to a any kind of danger to you know structural danger um i think you go for it if he's again if he gets full clear from um from the doctors and such like that but you've got to be really uh, really clear and so sure bad. about that because you know you don't want to risk a guy for um i mean you guys are i mean the jazz are there they're there in terms of they can win a series but they're not going to win the finals this year um unless they put together a very unexpected run and so Dennis has said this throughout, um, you know, since I've been here, that they're not going to risk guys long-term for short-term benefits. And this is a guy that you just paid over 100 mil. So you're going to be cautious about it. Uh, so I think it completely comes down to whatever the MRI says and how it, you know, recovers throughout the week and all that kind of stuff. I'm not a doctor. That's Quinn's favorite line. I'm not a doctor. And I'm not a doctor he either. That. He says it all the time. Oh. He tells me that all the time. It's funny. But, um but you know you gotta you gotta listen to the doctors. You know you don't want to put um, him at risk for any kind of long term damage. But if that's not a risk and he's feeling good, and you know Rudy's kind of the guy that you know he's a guy that kind of is gonna want to play through it. That's why it actually surprised me. That's why I thought it was worse in the beginning. The fact that he had to be helped off. You know Rudy's kind of one of those guys who wants to get up and walk off the floor. You know that kind of thing. You know that's just kind of the mindset uh, that he has. And the fact that he needed two guys to help him get to the locker room made me think it was worse than it was. So it actually is um, you know, a blessing for them that it wasn't as bad as it initially looked. There were photos on Twitter today of him shooting free throws yep. in the gym on, Gen- on Jody's, uh, Jody Guinness's Twitter handle. Mm-hmm. I saw it on Andy Blarson's. Shout out to Andy Blarson. <laughs> <laughs> now, the Jazz made it back to the playoffs, but what or who do they need in order to get to the finals? Like in the future? Like in the near future. <laughs> um, I mean, another year of growth. You got to keep George Hill. You got to keep Gordon Hayward. Um, you you know, think? You'd like, to, you'd like to see Derek continue, you know, this year kind of. I think plateaued a little bit for Derek Favors because of the injuries. But if he can kind of get back on that trajectory of where he was, you know, last year he was a guy who was getting borderline all-star talk, you know. And so if he kind of gets back to being himself, you know, you've obviously got a team that can kind of, that can compete with just about anybody in this league. You know, when it comes down to getting over the Warriors hump, I think it comes down to a little bit more firepower, to tell you the truth, on the offensive end, because they can light up, they can lock up anybody, and they play really good against the Warriors. Um, I think a little bit more on off, a little bit more on offense is, um, might be the the key to kind of taking that next step, whether that comes from eternally or comes from outside. I'm not sure, and you know, this is just. Me talking. What do I know? If I knew, you if know I knew, everything. If I knew, you work for the Associated Press. If I knew better, Press. I might be getting that uh, <laughs> that Dennis Lindsay money. <laughs> I'm trying to get that Kareem money right now. <laughs> Speaking of money, it there's a way for Gordon Hayward's contract if he signs with the Jazz, where around 2022 he could make 47 million dollars. What are your thoughts on a player making that type of money, especially in a mid-level, low market? I'm about every player getting as much money mm. as they can at all times. Me too. Me too. All the time. I, I think I'm. I'm a. I tend to be a players' association guy just because 
the guys who writing that che- writing those checks are making they're getting their money. Yeah. Regardless. But they're is getting Gordon plenty Hayward worth it? it? Is Gordon Hayward worth it? Worth all that money. I, I mean, he's good. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Are you sure? To keep the, I mean, if you're he's somebody's gonna give him a max deal. Let's put it this way. Somebody's gonna give him a max deal, whether it's the Jazz or someone else. And so and the way that the CBA has the way that the oh what's the way the cap has increased these last couple of years now you can afford multiple two three max guys now. Uh, I don't want don't that. Quote me on that because <laughs> I don't want that. I, I'm not a I'm not an expert when it comes down to the CBA, but you can you can you can afford multiple max guys. And Gordon Hayward is a guy that if he gets on the free market. He's gonna get a max deal, and that's what I mean about players. I think every player should get as much money on the free market as they possibly can. And so, what is a player worth? They're worth what they can get on the free market. And Gordon Hayward is gonna get a max contract from somebody. And so, if you're the Jazz and you let him go because you're being cheap, that's not a smart move. But you think he is worth it at the end of the day? Yeah. Yeah. Wow, I just, I mean, Joe Johnson took the final shot of the game, like. In most traditional senses of a max contract guy, he's going to have that ball at the half court. Did you see what happened to the Pacers the other yeah. day? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's easy to say your top guy is going to have the ball in his hands, and then it doesn't stuff happen. happens. You know, They trap you. They, there's a lot of things that can happen. That's why you need more than one guy who can take that last shot. And that's, and that's been one of the biggest growth areas for Gordon over this year. You know, he's had that – he's – He's been able to go one on one more in the past, more than he has in the past. I thought this year. I thought that was one of the things that he showed a lot of growth with. You know, with you know, his body got stronger, his mid range game got stronger. So now you can give him the ball and he can go get a bucket. You know, on the elbow, pull up, or you know, drive to the basket and still finish through contact. Whereas he used to get knocked around a little bit. You know, physicality seemed to bother him a little bit in the past. I don't know if bother is the right word, but affect him in the past. And so he he just seemed to have that, whatever that crunch time thing in him. It seems he's, I saw a lot more of that from him this year than I have had last year. And so I think, you know, Gordon's still that guy. I mean, it's hard to be an all-star in the Western Conference, man. <laughs> you know, that's, that's, it is, that's, it a, is. that's, a, um, that's a feather in the hat. So, so as a man who makes his living follow, working and following the NBA, what stories are you interested in this 2017 playoff picture? Hmm. Around the league. Oh shoot! I mean, I mean, all the top stuff. Obviously, you want to see. You know, I I like to see I like to see elite athletes do the perform on the biggest stages, and so yeah, obviously intrigued by the Warriors and what they can do with KD. Um, you know, anytime LeBron, you know, LeBron's uh, always a story. I know you're not going to like LeBron, but, man, you got to respect the man. And I'm so, so tired of him. You know, watching what they do is always interesting to me. The continued growth of Kyrie is always interesting to me. Um, the two guards in, in Portland, Dame and CJ, you know, I love watching those two play. I'm trying to think. Let me go around. You know, how, Paul how about, George, uh, this this series with in, not just the not just LeBron and Kyrie individually, but that series because you know you've got a lot of guys that the, that's that indie team. I know it's changed a lot from a couple of years when they were from when they were battling um, in the Eastern Conference Finals against LeBron in Miami. 
but still, there's there's still that connection between Lance and PG and LeBron, and so that's very interesting to me, and especially you know Paul kind of you know Paul kind of being in a similar situation as um, being a similar situation as Gordon with free agency coming up on the horizon. You know, it's if he becomes, I was reading, I do believe it was Greg Doyle from the Indy Star. He was saying. With the new CBA, and I think yeah, the way it's drawn up is if you're an all-NBA player, you can – if you're named all-NBA, the team that you're with can pay you a ridiculous amount more yeah. um, in free agency than other teams. And so a guy like Paul George right now is right on that borderline. And then you know, it has to do with a year clicking in too. So if, like, you're an eight-year player or a nine-year player, mm-hmm. there's an incentive that – yeah. Yeah. There's incentives to stay with you, with the team. Yeah. Do you want your team. to see him stay with the team? Do I want? I mean, I don't really. You know, I'm I'm not a rooter. <laughs> you know, I just, he's a journalist. But do you think he'd be better off on a different team, or do you think he should stay with Indiana? I mean, that's hard to say. Depends on what team he goes to. You know, you put him on Cleveland, and yeah, he's gonna have a. Better chance at renting a ring. I don't know that Cleveland. I'm just using that as a random. So we're just going to stack the team in Cleveland. We're just going to continue stacking. You know, stacking. I'm just using ex- random examples, but you know, it, it de- completely depends on the situation. I mean, I think, I think the Pacers thought they'd be a little bit farther along than they are right now, and I think that's probably on uh, Paul George's mind. Uh, but they do have some good young guys kind of coming up. You know, you got a Miles Turner who's going to develop and. Um, Looks like he's going to be a beast coming up. So, I mean, it's hard to say. But, you know, if you put Paul George on a team with two all-stars, obviously he's going to have a much better chance. Oh, could you imagine him in Washington? You know, Washington. You know, that's another team that I'm super interested in watching. With him with Porzingis in New York? (laughs) (laughs) I even thought about New York. Every time I think about New York, it's all kinds of other drama. Crying. Carmelo, (laughs) Phil Jackson. The story that's kind of been in my head the last 10 hours is the Boston Celtics and can they use this emotion to really create a special championship experience or will America embrace themselves around the Isaiah Thomas story because I could see that happening too I mean Boston's always kind of been the redheaded stepchild of sport but America is also really willing to embrace Boston championship teams how has Boston been the redheaded stepchild they won they win a lot. And everything. But 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 if you're on the West Coast, it's screw the Patriots, it's screw the Celtics. It's it's not like it's Dallas or the Yankees were kind of or even the Dodgers where when they're in playoffs kind of everyone kind of oh, I'm a Dodgers fan. Oh, I'm a Giants fan. Oh, I'm a I I could see something with just because of the way his sister died and they're going I mean they're going to be harping on this. They're going to be doing documentaries on her, little micro documentaries on her on ESPN and TNT. They're going to play it up. I mean, I think, obviously, everybody's heart goes out to Isaiah and the situation with his sister. You know, obviously, that's a terrible thing. And, you know, you want to root for someone who's going through that kind of tragedy. But I don't think any of the Boston area teams have ever lacked for support or lacked for um, bandwagon fans. Uh, In general, with the Celtics, um, yes, I think people will support them. I don't know if they have enough firepower to get through. that, that's the question. You know, everything's got to go through LeBron. Everything's yeah. got to go through Cleveland. And I'm not sure. Everybody's in the East is, uh, I mean, including Cleveland is flawed in their own ways. But I don't know if anybody has enough to get through seven games against Cleveland, 
even when Cleveland is still struggling, their their defense isn't playing very well. Hey, does, do we have a score update? I, I left the house in the game. Yeah. I, know. I haven't even looked. It's, it's, I, so yeah. does Dar- I might need to change my tune yeah. if they're getting blown out by 20 right is now. Is Darren Williams <laughs> going to become a starter on that team then in the playoffs, you think? I don't think he'll start, start but no. I mean, I've seen him already hit some big shots off the yeah. bench. You know, that's that's like we were talking about a Joe Johnson. You know, that's the luxury of having um, proven veterans coming off the. My What's eyes the score? Aren't good enough to see across there. Uh, Cavs won one seventeen one eleven. Yep. So, um, yeah, no, that's 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 the luxury of having that kind of veteran to kind of come in off the off the bench who you know isn't in their prime but still could. Has hit a lot of big shots over their career, so I, I don't. I mean, if he starts, that's got he's got to be starting over Kyrie. That ain't gonna happen. <laughs> or move him to the two. Yeah, I don't no. think they'll do that. I think you'd rather have him come off the bench and have that little bit of punch with that second unit, especially because that second unit has been struggling a little bit. Um, but yeah, everything goes through Cleveland, especially everything, especially in the East. Everything. So goes you've got Cleveland. Cleveland, Golden State in the finals. Is that kind of? Oh, not necessarily. I think the Spurs will give them. I think. Spurs will give them a run for their money. Um, you know, I know I sound kind of like a front runner, but I do think it's going to come down to one of those three. I'm not sure. I mean, as as good as Houston looked yesterday, I don't think, you know, I don't think they can win seven against San Antonio or the Warriors. Um, same thing with whoever comes out of this 4-5 matchup. So I think it's going to come, as far as the title, I think it comes down to those three themes, Warriors, Spurs, Cavs. Could you see the Clippers in there anywhere, or the Jazz? Uh, winning it all, or in the finals? Advancing to the Western Finals. The Western Finals? Yeah. Uh, no. I mean, anything's yeah. possible. <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> the way Houston played yesterday, it was it was crazy. But, I mean, they've been playing, you know, great all season. But Jazz fans, I don't understand why Jazz fans wanted to see them against Houston rather than the Clippers. Jazz would have got destroyed. I don't know why they wanted them either. <laughs> I mean, I don't know Jazz either. fans, are you guys watching Houston? I mean, I mean, I just, I, I think, I think they, I think they match up better um, against the Clippers. I mean, I think the, I think Houston's a better team than the Clippers. Just period. Number one, uh, and number two, even though the. I think a lot of I think a lot of Jazz fans saw the record over the recent record against Clippers and I don't know what it is but it's not very good, um, and and that number has stood out and they're like man we're having a hard time getting getting over that hump we'd rather see someone else that maybe we've had more success recently against but Houston's a better team so Houston would have killed them in the playoffs I'm sorry what were your thoughts when uh, Chris Paul said his team sucks in the playoffs. It's true. <laughs> I think he can't say that though. You yes, can't say- he can't be honest. Rudy <laughs> Gobert. Off, if you're Chris, you can say whatever you want. That's true. You're Chris. You know, you're you can say what you're the leader of that team. Um, what do you think his coach says to him though? Like, do you think he talks to him about that? I think everybody would like people to channel their thoughts, frustrations, whatever, in a positive way. When you hear that, it doesn't sound very positive. But sometimes you got to say it. You know, sometimes you got to be blunt about things. You know, and sometimes you have to, you know, say things that aren't comfortable to get folks' attention. And maybe that's what Chris was doing. And guys react differently to that. You know, some people react well to tough love. Some people, you know, 
take it personally when when they're criticized. You know, I don't know the Clippers that well on how they react to um, different styles of leadership, but I think Chris has Chris has built up enough currency in this league where he can speak his mind, and he's the leader of that team. And if somebody's gonna say, "Hey," We need to get it together because, again, how many years is this of, of a Clippers team that's, that's been uber-talented and have, have flamed out um, prematurely one way or another? So when they hey, go if somebody's ba- got to say something, somebody should say something. When they go back and watch tape on, you know, when they went back and watched and they saw the end of the game and him just scream no and kind of throw his body down, you think that gets the attention of his teammates? Because that was quite a demonstration. He was pissed <laughs> off, and he should have been. I think a ticked-off Chris Paul gets the attention of his teammates, and if if they don't, that's the issue. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. If if that guy, if 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 that if if you don't pay attention to what he's saying, of all people, I mean, I think that's more of a you thing. Because this team gets blown up if they don't beat the Jazz, right? Chris Paul, Blake Griffin, DeAndre Jordan will not be together. I was going to say, yeah. I mean, that's what everybody's – that's that's the thought process is that if this team doesn't win or make a significant run, that it's going to be blown up. I mean, you never know, but that's that's what everybody's assuming. And, you know, they've had a run here together. But, again, I always, always caution against saying, hey, let's just blow the whole thing up because what are you going to replace it with? It's real easy to say – Hey, this isn't working. Blow it up. But what are you going to replace it with? Do you have guys who are going to who who are ready to take that next step? Do you have a way to bring in guys who are who are going to be re- able to replace whoever you're getting rid of? That that's I'm always, you know, it all it's always greener on the other side when you're when when you're not meeting your expectations. But at the same time, you know, look at the Lakers, man. Oh Did the Lakers God. ever think that they'd be having these last four seasons? <laughs> and no. not being able to and tank I, I, properly. That's, that's not a, <laughs> Dude, how they can can't you even not tank lose right? the game right? Come <laughs> you know, that's on. That's not a direct oh comparison, God. but I'm saying, you know, you oh things happen God. real quick. Things change real quick where all of a sudden, you know, you think you're sitting in a position and moving in the right direction and a couple things happen and all of a sudden you're in the lottery for four years in a row. So be careful before you start saying, Let's get rid of our three all-stars. If you get rid of them, I'm going to be upset because what happens to the State Farm commercials? <laughs> they can get rid of those. <laughs> Where she stole the <laughs> name of her show from. <laughs> those, oh, is that? Are they dropping go. dimes yes, in there? Yes, ma'am. I didn't know that. That rap you song. The Kevin Love? Yeah. Kevin no, Love and I Dane? didn't know that. Oh, this thingy? Yeah. This That's thing. all dropping dime stuff, yeah. You know what? Now I know where that meme comes from because oh, I, I have always wondered. That was two years ago. Seen that one. I'm, go, I'm, I'm glad you're catching up 24 months later. I'm like, why is everybody posting these memes of the, uh, the, the, the dime thing? But no, I promise I didn't get it from there. So in wrapping up here, what's it like being a journalist for the NBA, for the Associated Press? What's it like? Oh, shoot. I mean, in my mind, as as a student of journalism, a guy that works in media, that seems like a prestigious job to me. I mean, it's an awesome yeah. job. I mean, I'm super blessed. I I don't know any other way to put it. I mean, as a kid who grew up in Detroit as a sports junkie and and a basketball junkie who topped out at five seven, who's 
NBA dreams ended in about sixth grade. Yeah. You know, it's, you know, I, that's just, there's two things. <laughs> there's two things I can do. I can write, and I like to think I have a healthy knowledge of sports in general. And for me to be able to parlay the two of them into um, a career is, you know, a blessing. And I just try to, you know, what do you, try to go and grind and do what, what I do and, and be fair and, and educate our readers and, what type of story do you like to tell about the NBA? Um, I'm kind of a storyteller. Yeah, those are those You're are my great preferences. Yeah. I, I prefer to, you know, so everybody does. Everybody has their strengths and 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 weaknesses, and I like to think that I'm kind of a talker. I feel like I can sit down with someone and, and you know, just have a good conversation over the span of, you know, whether I've got 20 minutes or an hour, and then be able to sit down and write a good story about who that person is, not just um, not just what they're doing on the floor and not just um, throw a bunch of numbers at you. I try to, you know, give a little bit of a window into who that person is or how they got to this point in their career or, or you know, what makes them tick a little bit. Those are my, those are my favorite stories. It's not always, um, you know, what's, going on on the floor we may be talking about talking to someone because of you know because they're in the nba or because uh you know they're an exceptional athlete but i think a lot of times people forget that these these guys are humans like we are and they go through all the regular life crap that we all go through and so i like those um i like to shed light on those things those are the things that are really interesting to me um just the things that you wouldn't necessarily think about. I, when I was, I would cover the Packers for a couple of years, and I wrote a story. Um, I talked to the wives of um, what four different players that were dealing with injuries, and and it was cool because they all had different perspectives on how that affected their lives, and and and, um, and what it was like to be, you know, to support an NFL player when you know it's not like the NBA where you have guaranteed contracts, you know, it, one second they can be done and, you know, everything changes and, you know, everybody's not a, a pro bowler. Everybody's not making that high end. There's a lot of guy high end money. There's a lot of guys in, in the NFL who are they're Now let's, you know, they're making good money, but that can end real quick. And so I thought that was cool. It was just a different perspective that um, I hadn't heard before. And so those are the kind of things that, interest me you know just you know we can all see what's going on on the court but you know a little peek behind the scenes of who they are or why they are who they are those are the things that really interest me one of these days and i'll and i'll give you the floor and we'll wrap up next Brittany. but i'd love to at some point get to interview you and talk to you about your journey just journalism and the art of storytelling and really taking the audience behind the scenes into your world of a pen and a piece of paper. Cause I think, I think, you know, you're 37 years old. I, I find it remarkable where you are in your career because it's tough. It's really a grind out there and it's a cutthroat business and it's just really cool to watch. So hats off to you, man. Well, I appreciate it. Yeah, I appreciate it. I mean, I think it's with any, you know, I knock on wood. I like to think I'm, I've been successful in the, little bit of time I've been around um but it's you know if you grind and you work hard at what you do and you're focused and you know you're willing to sacrifice and do what you want to do um 
I think that makes a lot of difference. I mean, I've been, you know, I've been in a lot of places. I've been in Wisconsin twice, Mississippi twice, Indianapolis, Florida, now out here. And I talk to a lot of people, a lot of people who are young in the business or um, or just coming out of college. And they're like, yeah, I'm in Atlanta and I only want to work in Atlanta. Well, you're limiting yourself. You're limiting the opportunities that you had. And that's that's something I heard when I was in college. Um, I heard Mitch Album speak once. And, and that was one of the things that stuck with me was don't limit yourself by saying I'm only going to do this or I only want to be here. And that was kind of one of the things that always stuck with me and shoot earlier today before i came here i um i was going through these applications for and there's this espn internship that i'm helping out with and so i'm kind of judging some of the applications and you know i i'm just shaking it i'm scared for some of these kids sometimes because you know i'm I'm getting i'm it's not even just the ego it's I'm, i'm getting resumes and cover letters that have you know 10 grammatical errors in it and, and, and little things that you just need somebody to proofread. That's all. It's like, you know, I, I can tell you wrote this for a first time and you sent it. You know what I'm saying? You, you didn't go back over, you know, there's just little mistakes here and there. And that's the kind of thing that you've got to have, you know, you got to take pride in your craft and, and want to do it right. None of us are perfect. We all mess up. Do I you mean, have the AP style guide in your bag or on an app on your phone? It's a link on my um, yeah. in my favorites that I can get it's to. Pretty it's one quickly. of the greatest books ever. Oh yeah, absolutely, and it'll answer a lot of questions. And that's, that's another issue. People kind of, you know, they don't. They, I don't. Now I sound like old man. No, let's get do off it. My yard. Let's do it. But you know, you just gotta you know take pride in your craft, whatever you do. And I think that's, um, you know, I think a lot of people forget that sometimes, regardless of you know age or whatever. I think we also just strive to do the best job we can. You are one of the elite writers in sports. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to throw it out there. You are one of the elite writers. No, I'm serious. <laughs> one, a, a lot of no, you come up on Google like first. You're like one of the people that come up first when I search. When you Google my search, name, no, not when you Google your name. You never come up that way. No, when I search something for the Jazz or whatever, when I search something for the Jazz or just something NBA related, a lot of times your articles or something that you have done, they're one of the first things that pop up. How did you get to that point where you're at today? <sighs> All those steps that I said. I mean, I get out of I got out of college and. Oh two, oh three, and took a yeah, <laughs> and took a job in Wausau, Wisconsin. Um, Where is that I, at? It is about two hours north of Madison, maybe a little bit more. For a community paper, or yep, yep. small local Jeez. paper covering AP writer now covering preps, and I'd never been, I'd never been to Wisconsin before. I'd never been that far north before. Uh, I was completely out of my element, but, you know, this is what I wanted to do. And yeah, I was hopeful that one day down the path that if you start small and that'll open up another opportunity and another opportunity, and that's really what it was. I mean, I went there and busted my tail for, what, two and a half years there. What were some and of the stories then... you covered? <laughs> you that's all I want to hear. This is all I want to hear. hear. <laughs> so she's trying to get me to tell this story about one of my... <laughs> Most interesting moments in journalism. So, in Wisconsin, they have these things called the Badger State Games. And it's basically like local Olympics. And so, it's like, 
during the winter time, it's kind of like Winter Olympics. You know, they've got a horse. You know, people around the state they sign up and then they compete. So in snowshoeing and skiing and downhill skiing and cross skiing, skiing, all the different kind of you know Olympic kind of games that you would think of, um, but on a local level. And so it's had to be January or December because it was. I remember. The NFL playoffs were going on, and I wasn't happy because I was missing. I was miss. I was miss. I was missing the playoffs, so I wasn't happy about it. And so my assignment for the day was to cover archery. I didn't know nothing about archery. I'd never <laughs> covered archery. I'd never, you know, I had no idea. So I'm going in cold, but you know, that's kind of that happens. That happens a lot, especially young in your career, and so. I'm driving, and they just give me an address. And you have to remember, this was back in the day where you didn't have everybody didn't have GPS on everything. Cell phones went out real easy, especially in North Central <laughs> Wisconsin. Um, and there's a lot of snow, and it's really cold up there. And so I'm Quiet. driving into the middle of nowhere, and I don't know where I'm going. And I've got this, you know, I've got my Jeep that I've had since college. It gets me around, but, you know, we're not talking a fine automobile here. So I'm driving through just these backwoods to get to wherever this place is, and I'm kind of lost. I'm extremely worried because my cell phone is out. I'm looking around, and it's, like, pristine snow everywhere, like, untouched snow. Like, if my car breaks down, ain't nobody ever going to find me. It's over for me. (laughs) I'm going to be stranded out here in the middle of nowhere. There's There's very few couple houses that I've passed. At one point I passed a house. It was like this ranch and I just can't figure out what these, <laughs> these things that go over the the entrance to like ranch style houses. That look like you know, you see them in westerns, the little like wooden things like before you go in. Looks and, like a giant square. Yes, yeah. that thing. And so with a big the, sign on it. Uh, so that I'm is. already worried about being lost and in the middle of nowhere and all these horrible things are going through my mind. What music are you playing? I'm kind of happy. At the time, oh, I'm pretty sure I had a tape cassette player yeah. at the time. So I don't know. Probably some Wu-Tang or whatever. <laughs> something. Good I choice. Um, but I look over and they've got one of those little ranch things and it's got a, like, I guess it was a cow skull on it. And it says, Jackass Ranch. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm out in the middle of nowhere, not knowing where I'm going, and that's the only house that I've seen for like a half an hour. And I'm like, so those are the people that have to save me <laughs> if it goes down. So I'm worried about all this, and finally I actually and, – and there are hills out here, right? There's, there's these <laughs> steep hills that you had to go up and go down to get to wherever this place was going. And it's – you know, there hasn't been any cars out here driving, and so my wheels are spinning just to get over to the top of this hill. To go back down. And so, again, I'm, I'm thinking this is the end of me. So I finally get to the place. <laughs> and I kind of walk in. And imagine this is, you know, north central Wisconsin in the middle of nowhere. Some random archery range. And, <laughs> you know, at the time, I still had my cornrows. <laughs> I stepped into the building and it was like the record stops. <laughs> right turned and looked at me and I looked at them like. Yeah, wave. <laughs> now I'm thinking. Did you stand out? Well, yeah, so, <laughs> just a little bit. Stood out just a little bit, and to which I'm used to. You know, I, I, I've been to a lot of different places. I've, you know, I can blend. I can 
lot of adapt small to, markets. A lot yeah. of small markets. So I can adapt to a lot of different places. That wasn't the worst part about it. But usually they don't have weapons. So that was the thing. <laughs> everybody was strapped. <laughs> except you. So, except me. So I'm looking for like the least threatening person to interview about this. And so I eventually find a couple guys and, you know, ask probably some terrible questions about archery because I don't know nothing about archery. And so knocked it out, and then I had to go back out and try to drive back once again. Again, like I said, don't know where I'm going and hoping I can traverse this snowy middle of nowhere where I'm at. And so I eventually got back, and I was (laughs) – I remember walking to the house, my roommate looked First thing he says, what's wrong with you? I was outraged. I was so pissed. <laughs> it was just a bad day all the way around. And all I wanted to do was watch like NFL playoffs, and I couldn't do it. I still had her story to write and all these things. So that was one of my many Wisconsin adventures. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> it's, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I explained it best, but, yeah, it's – um. You know, when you're young in your career, you end up in some small places. I mean, shoot, when I was in Mississippi, I ended up in some some places. I looked around, and <laughs> we were in the middle of backwoods nowhere. And, but, you know, covering high school football on a Friday night where, you know, you're walking the sidelines and trying to keep your own stats. And, you know, when you're in Wisconsin, shoot, Wausau, Wisconsin, it's below zero for – Weeks at a time at t- when I was there, so just do what you got to do. You know, it's you gotta. I don't know. Try to look ahead and say, "Hey, this isn't this isn't forever." But, Is it all? You know, it? you gotta climb the ladder. You gotta make your bones in any business that you want to be in. Nobody, very few people start at the top. You know, God bless them, those that do. But you know, some of us gotta grind our way to. And this ain't no top. I mean, I had to, I'm, I'm still grinding. I'm grinding to this day. You know, this is, you know, this is a awesome opportunity for me. But um, this is, you know, I still want to, you know, you never want to be complacent, I don't think, in whatever you do. You know, you always want to get better. You always want to, you know, grow. This is, this is, I think journalism is one of those careers where you don't ever stop learning. You never kind of get to a point where you're like, oh, I'm good. You know, nobody masters the English language. Nobody masters writing, and it's just the best. It's what you know can't can't get any better. So, you know, yes, you, you can always learn, learn more, more about your craft. You can always learn more about the people that you can co- cover. You can always learn more about how to be a better interview. I've got one question. last question for you. Sorry, I ramble. No, no, no. You're good. You're good. <laughs> so I've noticed this thing in NBA locker rooms with. Uh, journalists jockeying for a position to get their microphone <laughs> under a seven-footer. You got a strategy. And do you need help getting to the front of the line? Because I will uh, move people out of your way. Well, I try to get there in the process yeah. because I'm too short to be standing in the back. <laughs> the, I know that part. So I try to – I can't be one of the guys who kind of come in at the end, yeah. you know, and, and stand behind three rows of people. You know, like when people take, like, group photos yeah. and they always put the short people in the front? That's me. I got to be in the front. <laughs> Else. Dude, you it's like race out of the room. I see you like run. Like I put, I look to the right and then I look to the left, and you are gone. Well, you gotta remember, AP deadlines are different. You know, we're. It's not like say the game. My my deadlines are based on what time the game ends, not a um, 
you know, we go to print at 11 p.m. So long as we get in, get it in before 10:30, we're good to go. And so that's why. So what do you do on I'm ESPN games? That's why I'm running out the room. Dude, yeah. his articles are literally done <laughs> in five minutes. Like Kareem is walking around the room, like the press room, and he's already done, and everybody's still sitting there writing. He, there's been times where I was writing something an hour later, and he was like, "You ain't done yet." Because <laughs> I got to crank my stuff out, you know. I've got to before I go to the locker room. I've got two versions of a story already in on the wire before I even head to Quinn. You know, I send out my first story literally within three minutes of the game ending, and that's usually, you know, actually two versions of that original story, so that they can put it out in two separate waves while I go to get Quinn, and then I go to the locker room, and then I come sprinting out of the locker room, sprint back, um, to, you know, write that third version of that story with some quotes and, and tweak the lead. And so usually I need to be out by, you know, at least an hour after game time. Whatever the game time ends, I need to have my third version of the story out within the hour, um, and that includes – that includes um, locker room interviews and everything else. So, yeah, that's why I'm the run running. So you've written three stories in the amount of time it takes all of us to write one. Well, versions of the story. You know, it's I still on. three stories. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's the challenge of, um, you know, that's you the challenge of AP. But it's just different. You know, everybody's got their own things of what they have to do. And, and there's certain limitations with what I do because of the time constraints. But, again, you know, it's like, you know, here locally, you know, the jazz, not the jazz, but, you know, the news has their writer. They're the, um, the, the Trib has, you know, a couple writers that they're working the game. Well, for me, they're worried about their deadline. Well, I'm trying to get it out for the the world. New, anyone in New York who wants to run that story. You yeah. know, and you got to remember, New York is going to be two hours behind whatever our time is anyway. So it's already a time crunch on them. So I'm trying to get it as fast as possible so they can still use it on the East Coast so they're not gone to print already. Um I think that works out most of the time. I'm not positive. But that's that's the that's the thought process. It's not, you know, I'm trying to get it for everybody who doesn't have a representative at the game. And so that's why I gotta get it out so quick. You think it's a good thing that reporters are in locker rooms? Oh absolutely. Why? Um because first off, I mean that's where that's where the news is. I mean that's where you get to talk to guys. That's how, you know, you get you build these relationships with guys. You know, I I try to talk to guys not just when I want something. You know, I think that's I I think the athletes that we cover know. Hey, I only see so and so when he comes in asks his three questions, and then I never see him. Nice of you to show up. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly, yeah. that kind of thing. Whereas I try to, you know, now I'm not, I don't do pregame locker room every game because I also don't want to be the guy lingering in the locker room with nothing, <laughs> that's not doing anything. <laughs> kind of weird. Y- yeah, Hanging out with me. <laughs> you know, I mean, but some people kind of just hang out in the locker room, and I think that actually used to happen a lot more. Um, that's I think that's kind of one of the things in journalism that's kind of evolved a little bit, whereas, because when the new, because there's been some issues with it. Guys who were in the locker room who were just hanging out in the locker room who weren't really working. And so, like, if I'm in there, I try to be, hey, I, I'm going in there and 
I've got a quick question for Shelvin Mack. Yeah. But either while I'm waiting for Shelvin or after I get done with Shelvin, his locker his locker's right next to Rodney. So, hey, what's up, Rodney? Shoot the stuff with him for a couple minutes just saying what's up. You know, um, Joe I Johnson. I'm a sneakers guy. I, I always talk weird. to them about sneakers. So I'm always wondering what, uh, you know, what Joe wore that day. Or me and George Hill, we've talked, you know, we've had a lot of, a um, couple sneaker conversations, you know, that just that kind of thing. But I think we spend so much time around each other that it's good that they get comfortable with who you are, um, because number one, that's gonna that's gonna make for just a better work, working relationship. Period. Number one, but number two, that also allows them to open up to you and and talk to you about a variety of different things because it, they know you're not the Gotcha guy. You know, so I don't how do you be the define that boundary of on the record, off the record with these guys? Because if you're having a casual shoe conversation, but then, you you know, your ears are always going. I couldn't believe that you're not hearing stuff that you probably don't write about. It's it's a big boundary there for I mean, you. I always – I don't write yeah. about anything that I don't ask somebody yeah. about. Yeah. I think there was an issue last year that, that kind of happened where, um, you know – something was overheard and people run with it. And then there's this whole issue about, um, you know, whether it's on the record, whether, whether someone even knew really what was, um, you know, who heard it right. Or there were a lot of issues the person with who that. said it. Did they really know? Yeah. I mean, this is, if I'm going to write something about something, the way that I always look at it is, you know, whatever my topic is, I try to give all sides the opportunity to, say something that they want to say. You know, if I'm going to write about um, George Hill, whether it's, you know, glowingly or if it's criticism, I'm going to talk to George and give him an opportunity to say, you know, George don't like to talk really, so <laughs> sometimes he takes it, sometimes he doesn't. But I think that's when, when people sometimes get in trouble is you don't give someone the opportunity to respond to what you may have seen or what you heard or i mean that it's that's the same across anything that's that's journalism in general that's you know if you're covering news it's the same thing you know um you know i covered i was in i covered florida state for instance before i came out here during the whole um james winston thing and there was constantly oh, what a great beat constantly stuff going on every single day um not every day, but multiple times a week, something would come up from one side or the other. And, you know, some people would, because things were leaked all over the place, but somebody <laughs> would get, you know, something from one of their sources and they'd write the story and that'd be it. That's not how I work and that's not how um, how it shouldn't be done, you know. Okay, if I got something from you, now I'm going to the other side and say, hey, so-and-so said this or this is coming out. Do you want an opportunity to say something? You know, they don't have to take the opportunity, but you got to give them the chance. And so every single time something came up within that particular story, I'd have to try to get in touch with um, James's lawyer. I'd have to get in touch with the woman's lawyer. I'd get in touch with school counsel. And then I'd ask Jimbo at practice. Got to give all four the chance to say something. Yeah. Now, if they don't want to say something, they don't have to say something. But you got to give all you got to give each side that's involved the opportunity. And so that's kind of just how I approach everything is that even if I overhear something um, and if I feel it's, you know, worthy that I'm going to, you know, put it on the wire, that I'm going to put it in print, 
I'm going to definitely give that guy an opportunity. And then my guy might say, dude, we were sitting around joking around. I'm sorry. That's not what I, you know, you know, I may have misheard. You know, I'm not perfect. I don't know everything they're saying. And they might have been, you know, there's a million different situations. That's why you got to give everybody the opportunity to respond. And that's kind of how I roll. Do you think that's missing from journalism now a lot? People not getting both sides of the story or all sides. Yes, I mean not it, it, at times. I think it's it's a thing where there's such a rush for immediacy sometimes that everybody wants to be first. And with with social media, it's so quick. You know, it's something that you can get out there immediately. But at the same time, you know, you have to be confident in your source or confident in wherever you got your information. Um, and again, for me, and, and I think that's a little bit, and, and everybody's kind of different. AP works a little bit different than, um, than your daily print. There's, there's things that they can do that I can't do and vice versa, things that I can do that they can't do. And so if I'm, it just depends on the situation, but I do think there's there's a, definitely a rush to immediacy that 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 hurts because guys don't double. Some people don't get their facts double or triple checked, and there's also a, I mean, there's just what's the word I'm looking for? There's it, the industry is just changing and evolving. Where you know you've accountability is different. Yes, accountability is different, and and it's you know not you don't have to go to. I mean, I didn't go to. I went to Michigan. Michigan didn't have a J school, so I don't have that traditional um, J school background that a lot of other guys do. But at the same time, um, you know, I've got a lot of experience and kind of built up that. And you've been trained ways. up by other reporters. Yes. And... Uh, you know, my training is kind of coming a lot of different ways. Uh, I think there's a lot of inex- inexperienced people out there or people who haven't gone through um, bloggers. The, the proper training. I don't want to say bloggers because there's a lot of good bloggers a... out there. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of good bloggers out there. Um, but there's also some guys out there who um, who go off the cuff without – Fact-checking, or aren't, or or there's just, or are writing off of writing maybe think pieces off someone else's is someone else's report. So it's just it's just different, you know. Like I said, you know, there's a lot of good blogs out there. There's a lot of good bloggers. I mean, I wrote for NFL.com for a little while, and I was, um, you know, I w- when I was in Indianapolis, and a lot of that was aggregating other people's reports. And then giving your opinion on that, and you know it was a great job. And there's a, there's guys who are working for around the league right now that are awesome, and they're well known and well respected, and they do a heck of a job. Um, it just it wasn't the best fit for me because I'm a little bit more traditional reporter, gather my own stuff kind of a yeah. thing. So it, it wasn't um, the perfect fit, but it was it's still a great tool. And shoot, I go to NFL.com to this day, and that's where I go and get a lot of stuff because the beauty of that is they can they can report on the entire league and kind of get it to you in one spot without necessarily having a beat writer having what 30 beat writers and so like i said i think there's a 
there's a responsibility as a reporter, journalist, blogger, whoever you are, um, whatever your title is, you know, there's there's a integrity baseline that you need to hit that I think applies to everybody. But I think I think it's sometimes unfair when people just say, oh, it, it's the bloggers who are doing this because there's, there's a lot of good bloggers and a lot of bloggers out there that I respect. Um, but then there's um, a lot of guys who take liberties or, or, or talk about things that they don't necessarily don't know the full story about. And I don't think that's just bloggers. I think you get writers. There's, you know, I've had beat writers who have, you know, racked up the corrections because they didn't, <laughs> you know, they didn't fact check or they didn't double check or, or they ran with a rumor, you know. There's a million different things. And so I think it's the, it's more about making sure, you know, making sure you've got the right information as opposed to whatever beat writer, blogger, whatever title you may or may not have. I think it's, you know, it's it's true journalism. If you do true journalism, you're going to be fine. Regard, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, you should be okay regardless of um, regardless of what your title may be or what what um, platform you're on. Because that's a great thing, man. There's so many different platforms out here now. You know, it's it, it's opening a lot of doors for guys to kind of get into the business in different ways. But again, you just it, there's you can't abuse that. Mm. And so that's that's kind of the way I see it. Is you know, for whatever my opinion's worth. <laughs> All right. So we need to see if you have the right answer before we get out of here. Uh-oh. <laughs> Who's your pick for MVP? I'm going with Russ. Woo! I'm, Good job. I, I, Sorry, that was loud. <laughs> you know, I mean, I'm going with Russ. I mean, the triple, uh, the triple doubles are so amazing to me, and it's such a hard feat. And I think of the, of the candidates, um, He's had he's he's got the weakest supporting cast. Um, obviously, they're a playoff team, and you know there's a lot of talent on that team. But I think he had to. I think you know if we're talking about value, and there's so many different ways that people like look at what is MVP, what does value mean. But I think Russ is more valued valuable to that team than any other individual in this league right now or at least this year and to break that record is just astonishing to me and I I was reading the other day that I'm not sure what the final number he had was but it was like you pretty much got to the point where you were expecting him to have a he was getting a triple double more often than not yes which is amazing to me if he didn't get a triple double then they didn't win is that the stat that I read? If he didn't get a triple-double, then the team did not win that night. I'm not sure about that one. It wouldn't, I mean, if for for everything that he had to do, I mean, it wouldn't be surprising to me. I'm, not, I'm sure it's not, like, baseline, you know, completely one or the other. But, I mean, just the things that that dude had to do. I mean, he carried a lot on his load. And was he the most efficient player out there? No. Um, you know, does he have the ball in his hands and awful lot and is it easier to put up numbers when you have the ball in your hand that much absolutely but that's been I mean what he's done that year with that this year with that supporting cast and um you know carrying him like he did being there night in night out and I don't know those numbers are just crazy to me especially from a six three point guard I mean the the rebounding numbers are ridiculous for a guy 
um, for a guy his size and for a guy who's asked to do so much because, you know, it's real easy if you're – he's playing on the perimeter and chasing down Isn't rebounds. it kind of a bad thing when your point guard's getting that many rebounds? Like, does that say something about their the, the rest of your team? Yeah. <laughs> right? You know, that's a possibility for sure. I mean, if you need him to be that active on the boards, uh, maybe you should have some more help yeah. amongst your bigs. But the fact that, you know, he was able to do it and the fact that, you know. That's the argument. Was, yeah. He's doing it. He's he doing needs it. to be MVP. Yeah. That, I mean, like I said, I can understand. I understand the arguments for all the guys. I mean, what Kawhi did is, is is amazing. I mean, shoot, the way he's developed offensively is crazy. And shoot, James turning himself into a point guard and um, what did he average assist wise? Almost ten, um, if not more. Real close, yeah. Yeah, uh, you know, who was thinking that James Harden was a guy who could average double digit assists? That wasn't his game. And so for him to do what he's doing is amazing. It's it's a it's a tough year, and shoot, and we're not even talking about LeBron yet. You know, <laughs> you and LeBron could be eleven point two assists and, for eleven point two. Yeah, exactly. Who was thinking that um, James Harden was going to average eleven point two assists and eight besides Dan Tony? Yeah, you know, and LeBron put up his best numbers in years, and he's still the best player on the planet. So. It's it's tough. I completely understand. Um, I just think the 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 record setting numbers of Russ are kind of what pushes it over the edge for me. And on the fact that I mean, LeBron's, I don't think that's a playoff team. Without LeBron's him. basically averaging a triple double: twenty six points, eight point six rebounds, eight point seven assists. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah. You know, LeBron. Like I said, I I wouldn't have. I I have no issue with any of them getting getting it if, if i had a vote i was going russ but last question defensive player of the year now that's a tough one for me because i will obviously watch a lot of rudy sure. and i know the impact that rudy has on his game i think it depends on it's it comes down to what you value more in a defender i think i think rudy doesn't get enough credit for how he affects shots the shots that he doesn't block I think a lot of people kind of see the rim protection as in how many block shots did he have? How did he lock up one-on-one against the other big man? But he just bought any shot that's close to the paint. You see guys all the time drive in and a normal floater that they'd put up, they hesitate or they put up a bad one because, you know, because you've got a 7-3 guy, uh, you know, 7-1 guy there who's super long. But at the same time, is that more value? Is that more valuable than having Kawhi, who you say, okay, you guard that team's best player, and you know he's going to be locked down? Or you go to a guy like Draymond, and you're like, okay, he can guard one through five. And what? Did you see the play that he made the other night to yes, basically win the game, said, the block at the rim? You know, a guy who can recover from the perimeter and do that kind of thing. It's, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to have to vote on that one because I, I, I haven't been able to decide. Because I was – I think I was leaning towards Rudy, but then I wonder if that's because I see him so much. And so I question myself because I see him obviously on night in, night in, night out basis more than the other guys. But again, when it comes down to, when it comes down to the playoffs, I want a guy, you know, we were talking earlier about 
you know, having is, is Gordon that guy you give him at the ball at the end of the game and say, go get a basket? You know, Paul George, we were talking about that. I would love to have a guy like Kawhi when it counts to be able to say, go stop that guy. Go take that guy out of it. I would love to have a guy like Draymond who can, you know, who's so versatile in the way um, that he can um, defend multiple guys and is just, you know, and there's there's a little bit of credit to being able to get into people's heads. So I don't know. I think it's a great, whoever, whoever wins it between those three are deserved and it's just a tough year for that award. All right, Kareem. That was thank a great non-answer, wasn't it? <laughs> yes, it was a great non-answer. I would have said something else, but we're going to wrap this up <laughs> for the fifth time. <laughs> I, I told you I can ramble if you let no. me. Kareem, where can people find you at um, on Twitter? Or if they want to look you up, your articles, I know you have the big story that you do. Um, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me at, uh, at Kareem Copeland on Twitter. And that's probably the easiest place. Um, if you go to the AP page, you can um, search my name, Kareem Copeland. Uh, it'll pop up pretty quickly, or it sounds like uh, Google works pretty well also. Yeah, or you yeah. can just click the link that you have right there in your Twitter bio. Yeah. It goes the, right there. Yeah, that's there. I was on there today. <laughs> I don't know exactly what the web address is. <laughs> that's why I didn't read it. I am like, hey. It's kind of long. It's like bigstory.ap. There's a lot there, so that's the best way is to go to Twitter. We got you. Sasha, where can people find you on Twitter? Mr. Underscore Bloom. And what kind of tweets will they see? Uh, just ret- retweets. I don't tweet much. <laughs> You're boring. Um, but, I'm much yeah, more Yeah, but if you want to watch a guy get a haircut with a axe, that's my <laughs> what? website. <laughs> what? I'll show that's you the up. place to go see that yeah. kind of thing. <laughs> I don't have anything like you that. You want to see a guy move a car out because uh, parallel parking's too tight? I got you on that. Well, you want to see uh, cream pies to the face by softball players? I got you. I uh, retweet a lot of Pac-12 stuff. So. Gotcha. Yeah. I don't have anything that exciting, but you can still follow me. Sometimes <laughs> I post cute pictures. Sometimes I don't. At B. Johnson, ABC4. Well, at if I you like to watch uh, Tony Jones get bullied, Brittany Johnson's a All great right, We're not going to do that because I don't bully him. and <laughs> You sound like my mom, and I get in trouble every single time. Hey, I'm team Tony Jones. So. I'm, no, whatever. I'm team. This is done. <laughs> I'm team dropping dimes. <laughs> But my two boys are just like me in their championship little league game. One of them struck out three times, and the other one had an error, allowed the winning run to score. They lost the championship, and I couldn't have been more proud. I remember the people as we walked through the parking lot throwing eggs and rotten stuff at our car. What a beautiful day.